Amen. Thank you for that. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. While you're turning there, let me just say again, thank you for your hospitality that you've shown to us in our time that we've been here, the wonderful meal uh, this afternoon, just the the friendliness of everybody and just the opportunity to get to know you and uh, renew acquaintances. Uh, we really appreciate that. And again, thank you for the role that you play in our ministry. Luke chapter 5, if you found your place there in the Word of God, let's begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the Word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. That word draft there is an old English word used not just in the fishing industry, but it has the reference of a pulling in or as we see in the context here, a great catch. And so that's what Jesus is telling Peter to do here. Verse 5, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and followed him. When we consider world missions, and even when we consider just our daily walk uh, with the Lord as believers, the one, if we're going to say that there's any key element in all of that, whether it's our walk with the Lord, whether it's missions, whether it's going as a missionary, sending missionaries as a church, whatever it is, none of that is possible without faith. Without faith, the Bible says it is impossible to please him, Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, the messenger will not go with the gospel. Without faith, the messenger will not be sent with the message. Without faith, the messengers cannot be supported to stay where they stay. Without faith, consequently, someone will not hear the gospel who could have had that opportunity had the faith been there. And so without faith, it is impossible to please him in our walk with him, but yes, also in world missions. And I don't believe there's one of us here this morning or this afternoon who would not say, I want my life as a believer to be characterized by a life of faith, one that trusts God, whatever he has for me, whatever he brings across my path, whatever he tells me he wants me to do, I want to have the faith to do that no matter what. 
And may I say that's the very result that God wants to see in each of our lives as well. Our desire is his desire in this instance. But many times we think of faith as something as being abstract or something great and miraculous, something out there that maybe only a few have obtained. We read biographies of great men and women of times past, and we see what faith they had in the Lord as they trusted him, not just for the big things, but even their daily sustenance, daily food and provision. And we read about those, these people and we say, wow, I wish I had faith like that. And we think of faith as being this great leap that we make to trust the Lord. But I believe when we look at the word of God, we see that faith is nothing more than trusting God enough to be obedient to his word. Faith is trusting God enough to obey what he has said. And as we look at this passage here in the life of Peter, we, we're going to see how that Peter has faith, yes. But with that faith, God takes him where he is and with that faith that he has. And he grows Peter in his faith to bring him to the place where he is now equipped and ready for the service that Jesus has prepared for him. As we look at this passage, I've entitled the message, A Progression of Faith. The Progression of Faith. And as we look at this in the life of Peter here, we need to ask ourselves this question this afternoon. Where am I right now in my own walk with the Lord? in my own progression of faith? And what is that next step that God wants me to take right here today, right here this afternoon, here at Bible Baptist Church in Pembroke Pines? Where are you, and will you take that next step? As we look at this progression of faith, let's get the context here in verse number one of Luke chapter five. It says, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, that is Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, as you read through the Gospels, you will find a reference to both the Lake of Gennesaret and the Sea of Galilee. Those are references to the same body of water. It's just different terms, different names uh, referred to it. Here we see the Lake of Gennesaret. And so Jesus is standing by the lake here, teaching the people. And the Bible says that the people were pressing upon him to hear the word of God. They were pushing, trying to get as close as possible to hear the words that Jesus was, was preaching. And as they were doing so, Jesus was being pressed closer and closer to the water's edge. And the Bible says in verse 2, he spies two ships that were pulled up on the side of the, of the seashore. And he entered into one of them, which was Peter's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and taught the people out of that ship. I want you to notice with me here, at this very first uh, encounter with Peter here, with our Lord Jesus Christ, as he begins to grow Peter's faith, he does so by giving him, number one, a simple request. He gives him a simple request. Notice in verse 3, it says, When he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. That word prayed is a request. It is not a command. It is not an imperative. Rather, it is a request that Jesus made of Peter, in essence, asking him, Peter, will you let me use the boat? You see, when God begins to grow our faith, he doesn't do so by asking us to do what we would consider the miraculous or the grandiose 
or the spectacular. He begins by asking us a simple request. Will you let me use what you have? Will you let me use what you already have in your possession in the way that I desire? Notice with me about this request, it may have been a little bit inconvenient for Peter to fulfill this request. Verse 2 tells us that the ships were pulled up standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. If we've read the rest of the story, we know that these men have already been out fishing all night. So the ships are pulled up to the shore. They're washing their nets. In essence, they're packing it up for the day. They're done. They've put in their night's work already, and they're ready to go home. This was not according to Peter's plan or his schedule for the day, but although the request was inconvenient, notice with me, the request was not impossible to fulfill. Notice what Jesus asked Peter for. He asked him to use his boat. Now stay with me here. Did Jesus ask Peter for a horse and chariot to parade him through the town to preach from? No, he didn't. Why not? Because he, Peter, did not have the ability to meet such a request. He didn't have a horse and chariot, and he had no ability to provide that. But get it, what he did have, that is what God wanted at that time. And he gave him that simple request, will you let me use what you already have? You see, when God asks us for something, he doesn't ask us for what we don't have. He asks us to simply surrender what we do have already. If we would take the time this, morning, this afternoon, we would look at other passages in the Word of God where we see illustration after illustration where God has done the same thing with multiple individuals, where he has asked them, will you give me what's in your hand? Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, as he's dialoguing with God on Mount Sinai from the burning bush, Moses is making excuses why he can't be the deliverer, and God simply stops him and says, no, 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 what is that in thine hand? And Moses says, a rod. And we just have to look at the rest of the book of Exodus and Numbers, Deuteronomy, and see how God worked such mighty works at the hand of Moses through that rod that he simply gave to the Lord. Others we could look at as well. But you will never find in the Word of God where God asks you to give him something that you do not have. And the first step of faith as God begins to grow our faith and stretch us and build us, he begins progressing our faith by asking us, very simply, that simple request. The first step. Simple, maybe inconvenient, maybe it comes when you think, Lord, why this, why now? But it's always something that we can fulfill, that we have the ability to do. And God simply asks us, are you just simply willing to give it over to me? to use in the way that I desire and in the time that I desire to do it. Notice with me as we continue here in this account, we see that God begins with Peter by giving him the simple request. And at the end of verse 3, it says, And he, Jesus, sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So Peter submitted in that request. Inconvenient though it was, he did it. He pushed off a little ways. Jesus sat down and taught the people out of the, that ship. 
Verse 4, it says, Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. After God has grown our faith with the simple request, and we have surrendered in that, and we have yielded to him what he desires, what we already have, he then grows our faith the next step by giving us, number two, an unexpected command. An unexpected command. Notice the difference here. The first was a request. Now, it's a command. Why? Because Peter had already submitted in one area. He had already exercised the faith that he had. And now the Lord was trying to grow that even further. And say, okay, you trusted me for what you have. Now, will you trust me in this area? This command was unexpected. Why? Because this was not the usual time to go fishing in this way. I know there's some here that enjoy fishing. I know Brother Kenny does. And uh, we did as well there in Siberia. We had the opportunity to go fishing a lot with the river right there by our, our village. And I went on a week-long trip with some of the men up to another village, another river up in Siberia. And there we fished a little bit differently than probably we do elsewhere. See, there in Siberia, we could fish all throughout the day because the waters were so cold. The heat of the day didn't really affect the fish where they dove down and where they tried to hide and stay in the cool. The waters were cold enough that the fish were always active, even through the heat of the day. But in normal fishing, when, where you have, if you want to say, a normal climate, I don't know that many people would consider Siberia a normal climate, but in normal climates, in the heat of the day, in the middle of the day, that's not when you typically fish. Here, Jesus has just finished teaching and preaching to the crowd and turned to Peter and said, now launch out and let's get a great catch. The command was unexpected because this was not the normal time to do this. Peter was a fisherman by trade. That was his livelihood. That was how he provided for his family. That was his income. He, of all people, knew when and how to fish. But Jesus, with this unexpected command was challenging all that Peter thought he knew about fishing, all of his experience, and he was in essence posing this question to Peter. Peter, will you trust me even though it doesn't make sense? See, there'll be times in your life as you walk with the Lord where he brings you to a place where it seems like what he is requiring of you doesn't seem to really make sense, humanly speaking. No matter which way you look at it, you analyze it, and you look at it from this point and that point, and no matter which way, it just doesn't seem to make sense to you. Lord, why this? What are you asking me to do here? From all human perspective, it seems illogical. But what is the Lord doing? The same thing he was doing with Peter here at this point. He was asked, trying to get him to understand this truth that we find in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, where the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Let me ask you this. What does it mean to lean on something? I'm leaning, Right? I'm trusting that this will hold me up, right? I'm being supported by this fixture. Okay? 
the Bible tells me to lean not into my own understanding. My reasoning, my understanding, what I can figure out, what I think is right, should not support my decision. But rather, I'm to trust in the Lord with all my heart and let him direct my paths. Lean not unto what I can figure out, what I think is right for a given occasion, but trust the Lord and obey even if it doesn't make sense to me at that point. God wants us to trust him by faith. Trusting him by faith requires obedience on our part. When we're faced with a decision, we're in essence confronted with the same thing. Will I trust God? He wants me to do this. He's made it clear that this is what I need to do. Will I do it? Or will I lean onto what I think is right and make that as the basis for my decision? See, every decision has a foundation, has a basis, has something supporting that decision. Instead of leaning onto our own understanding, the foundation for our decision should be the word of God. What God has said. As we look here in verse 5, when Peter responds, he says, Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. He shows by his response that his support is not in what he can figure out, not in what he thinks is right, but in the very words which Jesus spoke. That is our foundation as well. And as we look at this, God grows Peter's faith by giving him first that simple request. He gives him secondly that unexpected command. But notice with me here, and we've touched on it briefly already, the proper response that Simon Peter shows. Verse 5, he says, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Peter here humbled himself in order to obey the word of his Savior. Don't forget the context in which this takes place. Verse 1, we learn that Jesus is teaching to a multitude of people on the seashore. He's teaching them, we find in verse 3, from Peter's boat, now that's just been thrust out a little ways from the, from the land. Those people to whom Jesus was preaching would have heard that same command given to Peter. They would have also known this isn't what a fisherman normally does or how he normally fishes or when he normally does it. And Peter would have had a choice there to value his reputation or what people thought of him or value the word of God. And may I say this? Many times the very thing that stands in the way of our faithful obedience to the word of God is nothing more than our pride. What we think is right, what we value, oh, someone's going to think this of me. Or, no, I think this is better. What is that? That is pride. I myself thinking that something else is more important, something else is better than the very word which my Savior has spoken. Peter said, at thy word, 
I will let down the net. The very basis for our faith, the foundation for our faith, is nothing more than the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It is the foundation. Our response should be, in humble obedience, Yes, Lord, you have spoken. That alone demands my obedience. But notice with me also, Peter's response is just not humble obedience, but it's also a broken reverence. Notice with me in verse 6, it says, Peter obeyed, and when they had this done, they let down the net, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, verse 9 says, and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. Peter's response was humble obedience first, and when he saw the result that God promised, he fell down in broken reverence before the knees of his Savior. And as I thought on this, the first question that came to mind was, why? Why would Peter respond in such a way when Jesus had specifically said, this is what will happen. Obey my word, launch out, let down your nets, there will be a draft, a great catch. Why then was Peter so amazed and astonished that he fell down at Jesus' knees? I believe it's because for the first time, Peter understood who he was and who the God of heaven is. And that without him, he could do nothing. Folks, may I say this? This is the place where God wants each of us to come. This is the point why he grows our faith and brings us into what seems like these impossible situations where we can't figure out, and it doesn't make sense to us, Lord, why are you doing this in my life? He wants this response from you and me today as well. To fall down in broken reverence at his knees, realizing, Lord, I am nothing, but you are everything. God may use some event in your life, maybe a tragedy, maybe a miracle, maybe a great blessing, to get you to this point where you realize that he is sufficient and my sufficiency is of him. Folks, never forget that the blessings of God should drive you to your knees in humble reverence as you realize, I had nothing to do with this. It's all because of him. Peter's response was one of humble obedience, yes, which resulted in a broken reverence, which renewed and gave him, let's say, a closer walk with his Savior than what he ever had before. Because it's at this point that we find, lastly here, the desired result. The end of verse 10, Jesus said unto Simon, after all this, after Peter falls down broken before him, he says, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. In verse 11, when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. This was the result that Jesus wanted from Peter from the very beginning, to simply follow him in faith. But he knew that Peter wasn't ready to make what would be considered such a great leap of faith to do that. And so he met Peter where he was, 
with the faith that he had and grew it step by step until he was now ready and equipped for what God had prepared for him. Notice here that Jesus did not say to Simon, follow me. He didn't have to. Because Peter had already surrendered to that point. He had already realized that everything was about him and not what he wanted. And so the natural response from Peter's humble obedience, his exercise in faith, was to simply follow him, forsaking all. Lord, what did it mean to catch men? Peter didn't ask it. Lord, what does that mean for me two years from now, next week, five years from now? It doesn't matter. The details are up to him. My job is to simply follow in faith and in obedience. I can leave the details. I can leave the results. I can leave everything into his hands knowing that I can trust him and trust the very word that he has spoken. Where are you this afternoon in your progression of faith? Have you taken that first step of surrendering in the simple request? Perhaps you find yourself at what seems like an impossible command that the Lord has given you, one that doesn't make sense. Wherever you are in your walk of faith, it's not enough just to be willing to take that step. But will you actually, in obedience, trust God enough to be obedient to his word and follow in faith, leaving the details up to him? Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for the clear example that you've given to us in the life of Peter here. Father, we would pray, much as was echoed in your time here on this earth, Father, we believe, we have faith. Lord, help our unbelief. Grow us in our faith, Father, not just to be willing but exercise that faith, Father. Follow you in obedience, trusting your word and your control. We'll be careful to give you the praise and glory for all that's accomplished here. And to the conclusion of the service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.